you guys. So we're getting that passed out. So I am a preacher, so of course, some of what I have to say is not written on the paper. Just drives the point home. The title is A Commitment to God. How many of you realize that in this society we have an issue with commitment? That's a real issue with commitment, right? It's like hard to 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 dive in 110 percent in anything. Statistics show that all the time. People join churches, leave churches. People get married, get divorces. Kids love their parents, leave home. We don't like to stick around. You know, I don't like my job. I leave. I found that it's, it's, it's you notice it's easy to walk away. <laughs> it's harder to stay. Yeah, it's harder to stay. Right. Just on the topic of marriage, you realize that. Today's society doesn't really get married anymore. No. They, they rather just live together for as long as they can and without the commitment. Um, we don't like ownership of anything. We outsource every aspect of our lives, right? From the time you give birth to a child, the next step is daycare. Then it's school. Parents don't raise their children anymore. We like to discipline them, but we don't like to raise them, right? Send them to school, send them to daycare. I got work to do. We don't like to be really fully committed to anything. We've picked up the habit of not really committing, right? We do stuff. We participate. But do you realize that participation and commitment is two different things? Yeah. It really is. And you have to recognize that. So today we're going to talk about a commitment to God. I'm one who I found myself throughout my life saying I wanted to do some things and started doing it and didn't like it and just stopped doing it. You ever quit something? Now, I'm sure if you go back in the journey of your mind, you realize that you have a whole laundry list of things you started but never finished. Right. You ever done that? Hey, I got one for you. You ever wanted to eat and you fixed your food at the buffet or someplace and say, yeah, and start it, but you couldn't finish it. Now, if you grew up in a household like me, that was a no, no. You had to sit there. I don't care if you fell asleep. You had to stay there and finish your food. So if you ask for seconds, you better be committed to eating the entire plate of food. You couldn't just throw it away because poor people don't throw anything away, right? But I realized as I got older and I had the option, the opportunity to walk away from some things, I could just not be committed. The food issue is so big that you find that there's some Chinese buffets that if you, don't, if you take and get food and you don't finish the plate, they'll charge you for it because they feel that if you committed to filling up your plate, then you shouldn't be wasting it. Right. <laughs> That's what they've done. Now, as I say this, I want you to not get stuck, but I want you to dig and divulge into your mind and think about how many things in my life have I truly not committed to. I said I was going to do it. I might be in the room, but I'm not really committed to this. At the end of this, I want you to find the strength to commit to the most important thing in your life, which is to God. And I know that's hard, right? Commit to God because some of you have been involved in church and sometimes parents have shoved church down our throat in a way that we didn't understand. Sometimes people have let us down. The ones who were supposed to be the leaders and example done crazy things. And you know what? It's like, I'm not dealing with that. I'd rather just live life the way I want because nobody's real anymore. Nobody's doing this thing. So I don't want to commit. The problem is I found this. We say we're not going to commit to a church or to some leadership, but the reality is we fail to commit to God. I know what I'm talking about because I did that before. I was committed to a church. Know what happened when the church wasn't there for me? (laughs) I left, went back to what I was doing. So I had to ask myself an important question one day. Who was I really committed to? Was I committed to God because we go to the church and we raise our hands and say, I love Jesus. Oh, God, help me. But then whenever the people don't help you, you give up on God. And God's sitting there like, what did I do wrong? I didn't do anything to you. I've blessed you. I've gave you breath in your body and you got a roof over your head. You got the basic needs and necessities. But because you asked more from people and they couldn't come through, you take it out on me. Wow. The worst thing in the world is to be blamed for something that somebody else did. But what do we do as Christians? We do it every day. God, we lose a loved one. Why, God? Now, I'm just going to be real. I'm going to talk about me. Now, I don't know if this applies to you. But we got people, I had people in my family, they lived a totally unhealthy life and they lost their life 
And then we turn around and say, God, why did they have to die at that age? The reality is, was it God's fault or was it their fault? Their fault. Right. Say that again. It wasn't committed, right? I don't know if you ever tried to lose weight or gain weight, and it takes a certain discipline. And then getting into that discipline, it was like hard work, and you're like, I'm not doing this. I remember my father. My father died at 43 years old from heart problems. This year, I'll be 43, so it's a milestone year for me. My father had a heart attack at 35. First heart attack, I remember going on my bicycle, riding to Burger King, because that's where my job was at, and guess what? Get a call, hey, your dad's going to the hospital, he had a heart attack. So when he comes out of the hospital, you know, when you have a heart attack, you come out of the hospital, and they tell you, hey, you can't eat all this salt, you can't do this, and that was my dad said, okay, I'm going to live long. And my mom started buying this Mrs. Dash. I don't know if y'all know what Mrs. Dash tastes like. Salt substitute. And my mom started cooking with it. And my dad was like, uh-uh, I need salt. So he said he wanted to live a healthier life, but he wasn't committed. So he went back to eating the old stuff he was eating, right? And of course, the end result is later on in life, because of the lack of commitment, he took an early out, early exit plan. So I learned something about commitment that if you're going to commit to something that's good, you have to really commit through the hard times and the adversities. I like to talk about marriage because I've been married three times now. Three times. It wasn't in the plan, but I realized that I had a commitment issue. Were there some issues that were pretty tough? Yeah. The first ex-wife, guess what? She tried to kill me, literally. <laughs> I wasn't committed to staying past that. Now, you realize that when you sit at the altar and you're sitting before the preacher and God in the congregation, you say these words that you don't realize how tough it's going to be to hold up. For better or worse, sickness and health, death do us part. <laughs> I couldn't reach the death do us part side, so I left the marriage. It was a little bit tougher than I expected. Now, I'm not condoning staying in a marriage with somebody trying to kill you, abusing you. But I'm saying that you got to realize the words that you're using. How committed are you to what you just said? I'm bringing this topic up because two things I need you committed to when you leave this facility. One of them is God, your relationship with God. The other one is your sobriety or your self-encouragement, the better version of you. You know that you're committed to being better, but you have to really commit to being better. Now, on the topic of commitment, I'm going to talk about it. I want to get ahead of myself. I want to read the influencing passages that we're going to use today, which is in James Chapter one, verses 19 through 25. I like to read the King James Version. I know some of the wording is a little bit of Shakespearean for you, but I'm going to provide clarity as we go through. It says this, starting at verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholded himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So today we'll be discussing the three steps for making a commitment to God. It's OK for him to tell you, you need to be committed. But if nobody ever explained the way to commit, then it's going to be tough to do. Right. A lot of times we we're good at pointing out, hey, you need to do this. You need to do it. You ever told a kid clean up the room? You ever seen what they do? Under the bed, under the closet, in bags, out of sight, right? Uh-oh, I think I already touched somebody's nerves because that's what we do spiritually, right? right. I'm going to get my act together. And what we do is we take and we take all the stuff we're doing and we hide it. We don't get rid of it. We hide it from ourselves or from the sight of other people, right? right. Sometimes we hide our attitude. We had our bad behaviors. We just don't let you see it. It's like sometimes people smile. And inside, they're raving as wolf. Gonna betray you. Sometimes you smile and you betray somebody. So we have a propensity to hide stuff rather than dealing with it. So the introduction, commitment means, I like this, the, the, 
If we're going to talk about a word, I always find it important to kind of like make sure we all have the same definition. Sometimes I say a word and you say the same word, but we mean something different. You ever had that happen to you? So I love to point out definitions when we're talking. And we're going to talk about a big word like commitment. The question to ask is, well, hold on. What do you mean by commitment? See, some of you wish that you would ask that question before you got in a relationship, right? Ever had somebody say, I love you? They say, I love you too. But what you didn't realize is that their definition of love was different than yours. I like to say, when you say that, what do you mean by that? That way I know we're on the same page. Yeah, at least I know what I'm dealing with. Because some people's version of love means I'm there no matter what you do. Some people's version of love, I'm there until you do something I don't like. Mm -hmm. They both use the same word, though. (laughs) So the word commitment, right? The dictionary pointed out this is an official consignment as to a prison or mental health facility. I thought that was strange to find that in the dictionary. A consignment means that you're committed or you're placed in prison or mental health facility, a facility of some sort, a commitment or says a pledge to do. Notice when you got here, right? There was some 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 documents that they had you to sign. One of them was saying that you you pledged to not hurt yourself. Right. That was part of the commitment. So with commitment comes some some agreements or acknowledgments that I'm going to operate and do certain things a certain way. I think some of y'all might be getting a little clarity already about commitment. Right. It ain't just this free willy say, yeah, I'll do it. No, it's some rules and some guidelines that govern the behaviors that we agree to. Right. So the thing about that, keep that in mind. Now, the next thing is commitment to God, a pledge to do the will of God, right? How many of you have given your life to Christ before, right? And you committed your life to Christ and to God, right? But nowhere did we look at the fine print that said that we committed to do his will, though. Right. We never really looked at that. When somebody says, hey, that's not right. What do you mean? Only God can judge me. Well, they're telling you we all got the same commitment. Here's the funny thing I love about being a Christian. We all have the same commitment, the same directives, the same will. Equal. Equal, Exactly. And what that means that some people advance a little bit faster than others. But nevertheless, we should always be willing to help each other. Remind one another of the commitment that we made. I don't like to beat people over the head and bash their head in, you know, with the Bible. I like to remind people, hey, brother, you're a Christian. Man, we're both committed to the same results. We're supposed to get to the same place. I want to see you get there, man. You know, we can't be doing this kind of stuff. I like to remind people that commitment rather than telling you, hey, you ain't supposed to be smoking. You ain't supposed to drink. Feels like I'm beating you up, don't it? But if I remind you, hey, man, man, come on, brother, man. We, we, te- we the temple of God, man. We're not supposed to be contaminating our temple. It's like it's like dirt in the house that we, we are, man, we about to have a party, invite people over. If I said that, all of a sudden you're like, well, I never thought about it that way. That's how we're supposed to remind each other about the joint commitment that we have. Right. Like a marriage. It's a dual commitment. Both people have the same responsibilities. If the husband finds himself telling his wife what she better do. Trust me, the commitment ain't gonna work out too good. And likewise, if the wife does the same thing, they're supposed to talk about it. Remind each other of the commitment. Matter of fact, the reason that we decided to do this in the first place. That kind of works a little bit better. So the question today is, how can we follow through with our commitments? Because a lot of times we made a lot of commitments, right? We agreed to do a lot of things, but the challenge comes in when we have to follow through with it. Any of y'all play sports? You shoot a bat, you ever shot a basketball? You know the most magnificent thing about a basketball is the follow through on a shot? You throw the ball up however you want, but how you analyze whether somebody did a good job on the shot was on the follow through. Pay attention to the follow through shows the form or the intentions of the person. Even throwing a football or kicking a soccer ball is all the same through. Same thing. If you play tennis, if you swing a golf club, it's about the follow through. Many people can connect, but a lot of people can't follow through. Oh, you like that? uh? (laughs) Follow through is hard. How many times somebody said, hey, Kobe, I'm going to work with you, man. I'm going to help you out. And you never saw him again. I'm going to be there for you. First sign of trouble, man, where they at? Our issue 
It's always been follow through. You want to discover why you disappointed some people? Because they didn't follow through. What happened to this person that was going to help me? What happened to this person that's going to be there for me? What happened to this person that said they was going they was going to nudge me when I was doing wrong? They all they came. It felt good when they met you, when they connected. But man, where they at now? That's the hurtful part, right? The lack of follow through. See, when you don't have proper follow through, your distance is cut short. You don't believe me? Watch a golf player. Let him swing that club and don't follow all the way through. By the time he's finished swinging the club, he should be almost spun all the way around. If you look at the logo of the PGA guy, that you see the end of his follow through, right? You don't see him like this. He hit the ball and continued to follow through. Because when you follow through, there's a transfer of energy that's being shown. When you don't follow through, that means you ain't put enough energy in it. You can't hit a three-pointer if you don't got follow through. I know I said don't got. I'm trying to talk to everybody. You cannot throw the ball 50 yards if you don't have good follow through. You can't kick the ball through the upright from the 40-yard line if you don't have good follow through. If a woman is delivering a baby, she carried it nine months, she ain't done. She's got to follow through and push it all the way out. So when you commit to something, you have to follow. Every time somebody breaks their commitment, somebody gets hurt. A young lady gets pregnant. He said, baby, I'm going to be there for you. She had a baby. He gone. She hurt and the baby hurt. Because he didn't follow through. Lack of follow through is the most painful thing we will ever experience in life. And I'm saying that because I want us to all relate. But we need to flip this. Have you followed through with your commitment to God, though? Now, this is the part that's going to hurt. I can't preach one side. I got to preach both sides, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's a surgery. It's going to hurt going in. We're going to feel good when it heals. Because I don't want you just looking at other people while I'm preaching. I want you looking at self. I had to get you open first. But it's really about my follow through. How much follow through do I have in me? To, to, I, I say I'm going to be there, but the first sign of challenge, I'm backing off. That ain't good follow through. Somebody's going to get hurt. So check this out. The first step in a commitment is to hear the word. Somebody say hear the word. That's the first step. of commitment. You got to hear it, man. Look, we got it bad in Louisiana. We don't like to listen too well. We do not like to listen. I'm going to tell you a story in a short minute. The first thing he said in James is you must be slow to speak. Now, that's hard, right? Because we like to talk in Louisiana. We in the South. We love to get in a good conversation. The minute we get excited and we say something we can relate to. We like, OK, when can I say something? When can I say something? It's like watching kids playing double dutch. Them two ropes are spinning and they're just waiting when they could jump in. Waiting, eagerly anticipating jumping in. Many times we are too busy talking to hear others. That's verbally and emotionally. Sometimes people are trying to tell you something, but in your head you're talking. You're thinking they said one thing and you ain't finished listening and your mind is busy. You having conversations in your head and you haven't even heard everything the person said. Right. We're too busy talking. That same thing happens with God. A lot of times we say, man, I need to go to God in prayer and take and he going to have to give me answers. But we get down there and we talk about all kind of stuff. Right. God, I got this issue. This. We just talking, 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 talking. And the beauty of God is he going to sit down and listen until you're done. But the real issue is that I thought we was going to hear some answers. The Bible, as scribe says, he knows what we have need of. Sometimes we need to get down and say, God, please talk to me. But no, we get down and we talk God's ear off. Talk his ear off, right? <laughs> I like this part. We tell God how we want things done and he can't get a word in to tell us what he wants us to do. We love to tell God how to do things and when to do it, right? We are, well, most of us from the church world, we like to get excited and we say, God, I need you right now. 
We love to give him a schedule to follow, right? God says, I need you to do some things. And you're like, no, I need this first. Sometimes we won't move in our commitments to God because we want him to hear what we got to say. You ever been on a job and felt like you needed to tell the boss how to do the job? We all been there. I've been there before. Feel like I know better than the boss. They asked me to do something like, well, hold on first. Because <laughs> I don't have time to listen to you. Because I have my own thoughts locked in on how this should be done. So the problem is God came to get a word in. You sometimes we wonder why we ain't heard from God is because we ain't stopped talking. Sometimes there's a song that Anthony Evans sings. And it took me a while. I heard the song like three or four times before I realized what he was really saying. And there's a line that says, sometime he's speaking in the silence. Man, when I really realized what that was saying, I was like, whoa, it took me back. Like you waiting on God and sometime God says, OK, sometime we need quiet time. And if you listen to the silence of your own mind, then you can hear the voice of God sometime. I find that most Christians that I talk to, the biggest problem they have is or the biggest question to ask is, how do you know the voice of God? You know what? I ask that question because their mind is so busy. They hear a bunch of things in their head. People come to this facility all the time. And one thing they say is I'm hearing voices. Right. And that voice can be from a lot of things. It can be from their memory. Things people said. It's all their thoughts amplified loud, so loud they can't even hear God anymore. It ain't a strange thing for people to hear voices. Some people just hear them louder than others. When you're thinking by yourself, oh, who's talking? Who's reasoning? With yourself, right? It's almost like two voices, right? You ever heard your mama's voice pop in your head? Your daddy's voice pop in your head? So I'm going to say this is going to sound strange to us because we're Christians, right? <laughs> Everybody hears voices. <laughs> the question is, which voice is the loudest? Most of the time, guess whose voice is the loudest? Yours. Say that again? Yours. Your voice. Whose voice should be the loudest? God. Right. But we're too busy talking. Somebody has a point to make, but I got a bunch of points I need to get out first. I need, to, I need him to listen to me. So as a person, be slow to speak. You can't always be anxious to open your mouth and say a bunch. Sometimes you got to be swift to hear. That's where we should be. We got to be swift to hold on. Let, let me just listen. Sometimes we make judgments based upon perceptions and we ain't heard the whole story. We ain't heard it all. We're not listening. Kids over there telling you, daddy, that you heard a bunch of screaming and you jumped to judgment and you didn't listen and reason together. The most effective judgment is done by just simply listening. If you listen to situations, God will show you the way. But when you already got it preconceived in your mind and you, you already got it figured out, that's you and have a whole bunch of conversation you had without God's involvement. And then when it don't work out, we say, man, why didn't God come through? We blame him. He gets the blame. Imagine having people in your responsibility and they go make decisions and it don't work out and they come and blame you. The first thing you say, well, you didn't talk to me about that. How would you feel then? Think about how many decisions you made that failed that you didn't really consult with God about. You didn't wait for God to tell you anything. You just did what you thought was best because we smart, right? And it didn't work out. And now we're like, God, oh, I done messed up again. Can you fix this? Man, waiting on God is he wise us to be patient. Really does. So check this out. Slow to anger. Any of y'all got an anger problem? <laughs> Most of us do in some capacity, right? Some of us not gonna say it's a problem until the problem shows up. Slow to anger. The word doesn't say never get angry. Notice that it says slow to anger. Why does it say slow to anger? Because you can't help but get angry sometimes. The problem is never getting angry is how you respond when you get angry. So you got to slow that process down. You can't just jump to conclusion. But a lot of time when you've been the voice in your head talking too much, then your anger shows up right behind it. Because before you can even hear everything out, you're already to come to a decision. Boom. Now I'm angry. And you ever heard somebody tell you in the midst of your frustration and aggravation, you're not listening to me. You ever heard somebody say that? You don't agree at the moment because you're angry. But the reality is they told you. You didn't hear. You didn't comprehend. You didn't understand what I was saying. You already made your own decision. Say that again louder, please. You, only, you already made your own decision. In your head. Exactly. 
Slow to anger. The word we are not to get angry quickly or without proper reason. Now, let me tell you this. Anger is an excited uh, feeling that sometimes moves you to defend something. Y'all caught that, right? Mm -hmm. If my kid is here and a ravenous dog is heading that way, it is anger that's going to cause me to jump in front of a ravenous dog and handle it so it don't get to my kid. I'm not going to come to the door. No, dog, don't do it. No. So anger has a purpose, but it's got to be utilized correctly. Notice that when I said my anger will be used to defend someone else, not to protect self. You're caught there, right? A lot of time, the anger that we display is the fence mechanism. I'm trying to block you from something. Matter of fact, you're right, but I don't like the fact that you're right. So now I'm going to get angry. Or when you feel like somebody ain't listening to you. Because I've been listening to me the whole time and you need to listen to me too. <laughs> right. Because you had all this dialogue in your head. You ever plan to talk to somebody, but you played the conversation out in your head already? So you was really angry before you even started talking? And when they say something, you say, I knew you was going to say that. <laughs> you didn't jump the gun. You mad before the conversation even got going because you knew what they was going to See, I knew you was going to do that. That's why you already formulated your plan. You knew exactly what you were going to do. You knew you was packing up your stuff and leaving before you had the conversation. But that's what we do, right? Anger keeps us from God. You ever heard somebody say, I'm mad at God? Yeah. Yeah. People get so angry. You get angry keeps you from God. When you angry, you don't certain places you don't want to go. People don't go to church because they're really angry. God is saying I'm over here. But people are like I'm mad. I'm mad at Cliff. Cliff go to that church. so I'm not going. We find a way to stay away from God. God is going to position himself in a place that's going to challenge you sometime. But your anger is going to keep you from going there. But I love God because he find a way to get you where you need to be. Oh, yes. See, when y'all went to that emergency room, y'all didn't picture sitting over here on something. Going through, yeah. <laughs> he finds a way to meet you. Most people episodes in the emergency room before going to a facility was an angry episode. Most people didn't go in there and say, hey, I just need some help. Please help me. I'm calm. I'm good. That was not how most people dealt with the ER. No. They went in there ready to flip over a bed, you know, knock down a nurse. The security guard had to tackle you, probably had to stick you with something. It was anger at that time. Whether we are angry with God or man, when we are angry, we are not available to hear God. We don't listen well when we're angry. All intellectual hearing is shut off. Don't listen well at all. You don't hear nothing but what you want to hear when you're angry. The Bible says he has a small that uh, I think it was Isaiah said he heard it in a small, still voice. Right. Yeah. Oh, you don't hear that, man. Yeah. You over there mad, howling at the top of your lungs. And he's like, calm down, calm down. You don't hear that, though. And then after you to calm down, somebody said, well, I told you that. Like, I don't remember me saying that. Of course you don't. You was angry. Anger blocks off the ears. You know what anger's waiting for? You better say something that I'm agreeing with. And the bad news is this. Sometimes when the person say you're right, you get even angrier. That's how crazy anger is. Anger makes absolutely no sense. There's an old saying, a quote that says anger blows out the lamp of the mind. The mind is on fire. It's going good to me. Anger. It can't see properly. It can't hear properly. All practical senses are shut off when you're angry. Yeah, exactly. It's darkness. Funny thing is, it says that Moses got mad. Moses got angry several times in the Bible. Y'all know Moses, right? And in doing that, he didn't produce the mind of God. The first time is that Moses saw that one of the Hebrew children were being taken advantage of. You know what he did to that guard? He killed him. And buried him. And somebody saw it. Out of anger, right? He wasn't, it looks like justice, but he did it out of anger. Could he have found another way to do it? Probably so. I'm sure God would have caused him to do it because murder is a sin. You think God would have told him, murder that guy? That's not how God operates. 
So sometimes when you get angry, you think you're doing right, but the anger is governing your mindset and you're not getting godly results. Now you're in a worse situation and you know it. Man, look at this, man. But you can argue with yourself and just, you know, I needed to do that. You know what? I'm going to take my lick. Taking my lick saying I know I messed up. (laughs) But I'm going to just live with the consequences. But the question you got to ask in your commitment to God, did he ask you to do that? Wouldn't think about it at the moment, though, right? Oh, another time, right? Because that was an extreme case, right? He murdered somebody. Here's the other time that Moses did it. Moses is now taking and leading the children of Israel. And he's going and God tells him, say, hey, they need some water. God said, I tell you what, speak to the rock and I'm going to bring forth water. Moses was so frustrated with the children who didn't believe God that he did. The Bible says he took his staff and he smote the rock and says, pow, drink you rebels. So one of them, he's supposed to speak to the rock. He hit it. The next one, he addresses the people and calls them out of their name, calls them rebels. In that, God made a promise to know Moses. He said, you ain't going to make it into the promised land, the physical promised land at the time. Once again, not following through doesn't let you reach your full capacity. And you hurt people. Moses didn't make it. The children made it, but Moses didn't make it into that promised land because his anger, his direct violation of what God wanted, his commitment, because he committed to leading the children of Israel. And here in his anger, he made mistakes. First time God said, yeah. And there was a couple other times, too. Moses done some things. So it wasn't just one time. But God holds a leader to a high level of responsibility. Now, the thing is, y'all saying, "Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Holds the leader. Do you not realize that in your life you are the leader? Uh Oh, you are the leader in your life. So you get held to the same responsibility as a pastor, as a preacher, a minister, because in your house, when you learn the word of God and you commit to God, you become the pastor at the house, the preacher, the minister at the house. That's you. So you held to that saying you can't afford to get mad and push the kid down, kick the dog, throw the cat against the window, slap the wife, punch the husband. You can't do that. And then say, I'm sorry. Yeah, anger made a decision. Now look at the consequence you got to live with. So anger. So here's step two. The second step is to receive the word. So once we hear the word, now you got to receive. Y'all know there's a difference between hearing something and receiving something, right? Uh-huh. There's a huge difference between the two. When you receive the word, you got to receive with a pure heart. That means you have to be open and unbiased. Man, we just talked about a conversation with somebody. Premeditated conversations or what I call premeditated anger. You got to be open and biased. You got to set down your reservations and say, look, I understand. I'm, I, I, we've been through this a thousand times, but I'm going to act like it's the first time. You have to have that mindset in order to receive something from somebody. It's like sometimes you have heard this stuff. You've heard these scriptures before. If you sit down and say, oh, I know James and shut off. You ain't hearing nothing that I say. You're not receiving anything that I'm saying. You've got to be unbiased and say, OK, he's trying to help me. She's trying to help me. They're trying to help me. And then listen attentively to what they're saying and come into an agreement with it or ask questions if you don't agree with it. That's a pure heart. When that's not looking to find fault in somebody else or what they're saying, I'm trying to see if it makes sense to me. Does that make sense to y'all? The other ones, you must receive with humility. Now, we can't be arrogant about how we receive things. Oh, yeah, I got y'all. I knew that already. Yeah, I got that. No, you can't be that kind of person. You, You can't be defensive about it either. You got to have your guards down to really get information, to to get information that can truly help you. It's like, you know what? The most humble experience you ever had. You ever been naked by, in front of a doctor or in a gown before? You can't be too brave when you're in front of a doctor naked, right? <laughs> that's that's being humble. You know, it's like that. that's really being humble when you when you expose and you're transparent. You got to be like that with God. When you when you open up your Bible, when you leave here and you go home and get your Bible or open up your Bible, you're going to have to sit down and say, OK, God, maybe I ain't got this right. Talk to me. Yeah, God, I messed up. I got a problem with this area. I got a problem. You have to be real with yourself. Humility says I'm going to be real and transparent and exposed and I'm going to let you help me. But if you got your guards up and say, yeah, I'm going to let you talk about that, but I want to talk about this. You ain't when you ain't being humble, you can't really get the help you need. You fighting it and it's going to cause more problems. The next one is many people hear God's word every Sunday. But do many of them receive the word? 
That's the that's the big question, right? A lot of people attend, but everybody don't receive it. See, I'm not fooled by the numbers in anybody's church. Church can be a trend for a lot of people. When people start bragging about I go to church every Sunday. The question is, if you've been receiving every Sunday, you should be almost at perfection by now. Did that make sense? If you've been receiving, man, you should have it mastered by now. You shouldn't be at that level. You've been going to that church 15, 20 years. You was raised in the church like some people like to brag. But yet you don't show the fruits of being raised in a church, which means you haven't received it. It don't matter how many checks are in the mailbox if you've never received it in your hand. Right. Now, what if your boss, you work for 40 hours and then he says, I got a check for you. And you say, where's that? I got a check for you. Where's that? As long as it ain't touched your hand or your bank account, you ain't received it. And when you file for your IRS tech check and did your taxes, you was waiting to receive it. You was looking for the manifestation of it in your bank account, right? So when God gives you a word, you got to show something that shows you received it, right? That's the part that we get stuck on. I heard a good word. So what that you heard a good word? The question is, did you receive it? Did it alter how you think? Did it make you want to change your behavior? Because if not, then you didn't receive nothing. You see, I threw this entire Bible, people who heard the word of God and all responded differently. They just didn't get it. They didn't get the point. Because sometimes what God gives you is pretty tough to do. It ain't always coming pretty and always coming easy. Jesus Christ had thousands of people follow him at one point, right? He fed them, gave them you know, two fish, five loaves of bread, fed them, did a good message. And then he turned around and said something very, very tough to them. He said this, unless you eat my flesh, and drink my blood, you ain't going to have no part with me. You know what the Bible says happened? Everybody but the 12 disciples left. They had been hearing him, but they hadn't been receiving him. They was hearing as long as he was saying what they like and they were comfortable with. But when he got them a little uncomfortable, they couldn't receive that no more. He wasn't talking about literally cannibalism, right? But they hadn't been receiving him. They wouldn't breaking down what he was saying so they can comprehend the next thing he was about to tell them. They didn't understand. Did not. They did not. Count. Sometimes we hear a bunch of stuff, but we don't understand it. I can tell you one area, right? Some of y'all sat down in front of a doctor and the doctor gave you some diagnosis. And you're like, okay. The question is, do you really understand? Truthfully, most people don't really comprehend. They, they ain't got it. So you know what? You're not going to change your behavior because you have not received it yet. I hope that makes sense to somebody. It don't mean you're a bad person because you don't receive it. It means that I need to dig deep because I heard it, but it ain't changed how I want to do things. Because that's just the truth. Sometimes just because you hear things don't make you want to change it. Sound good. No. When you receive something, it changes your life. If you were broke and you received $2,000, I bet it changes your life. You're going to spend money a little differently if you want a million dollars, right? So when you receive something, the evidence is that something changes. When nothing changes, you have to ask the question, did you receive it? You tell your child, clean up your room. They go right to the room and play video games. Did they receive what you said? No. They heard you, but they didn't receive you. Right. It wasn't listening. The third step is to do the word. I'm going to be honest with you. This is the hardest part. <laughs> Doing it is the hardest part. It is the hardest part. I'm going to say it one more time. Doing it is the hard. Matter of fact, y'all said it too. Doing it is the hardest part. You got to admit that to yourself before you can do it, though. Because the minute you think that doing it is easy, you hear the word of God. Oh, yeah, that's good. You're right. Amen, preacher. And you walk out there and you, you hit a situation and it challenges you. You're like, whoa, how do I not lie in this situation? I feel like I need to lie. Hold on, man. No, 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 no. I can't. Oh, man, yeah. Hey, man, you was over there? Nah, man, I mean, they going to trip if I do that. Nah, I wouldn't there. You find out that doing it was a little bit harder than you thought, right? Because you forgot to be swift to hear. Slow to speak. <laughs> Slow to rap. <wrap. laughs> you forgot just that quick. So doing it ain't always easy, but it's necessary. It is absolutely 110% necessary to do it. Because it is manifestation of the proof that you received it. God does not. The Bible says that his word will not go out void. It's his word getting void in your life, though. You committed to it. You know, 
You come on your own accord. He ain't force you. Life situation is so when you commit to him, now it's up to you to do whatever you receive. And when we don't do what we receive, that's where the problem starts. Doing God's word is a mirror of our life. So the word of God is a mirror. It's look, you look in the mirror and you see yourself and say, I need to do something differently. And you go back and you go do it differently. Every chance you get. Now, the thing about it, he made a mention in the scripture says that it's kind of like looking in the mirror, seeing what's wrong and walking away and forgetting that it was wrong. You look in the mirror, and say, man, I need to comb my hair. And then two minutes later, you walk around, you ain't got your head done. Somebody said, man, what's wrong with your head? Oh, yeah, I did say I needed to comb my hair. What was the use of you identifying what was wrong if you ain't going to do nothing about it? That's the problem with most of us Christians. I know what's wrong with me. And then we don't do nothing to change it. No, when you identify now, I know fixing yourself is a big project, but at least work on some of it. A little progress gets you a long way. You work on a little bit of you here and there and keep on working consistently. And guess what? Before you know, it, you're going to look back and say, Paul, I ain't even half the person I used to be. You are. Pro- the word, the Bible used the word salvation, which is the process of salvaging. Process. Processes take time. You're going to have to be patient with you and those that are at work in progress around you, too. Why do you think I'm so patient with y'all? I'm being worked on. I'm, 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 just because I'm being worked on don't mean I'm not a construction person. I still got to work on you, too. And at the same time, you got to work on you. And then when somebody do something crazy, you got to say, well, I guess God working on them, too. That's the mentality you got to have. Let God work on everybody. And everybody got to do your part. You got to be working on you, too. A little bit at a time. A little bit. You ever seen somebody chisel and sculpt something out of brick? It's a slow process. You can't over there take the jackhammer and, and get it. You're going to chop the thing in half. He get that little chisel. Tap, 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 tap. And they got different size chisels. Sometimes it's the big one and sometimes it's the little bitty tiny one. Tap, 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 tap. You got to have that mind when you wake up every day. Which piece of me I'm going to work on today? You know what? I'm going to work on just the ear. And you're so focused on that man and that you perfect that ear. Yeah, that's the way I want it. The next day, I'm going to work on the nose. I'm going to work on the, oh, the eye. I'm going to have to take about three days to work on the eye. Don't matter as long as you're doing. That's what matters as long as you're doing. Somebody say, hey, man, what about that? Hey, you're right, man. I'm working on it. Don't negate. Don't get mad because somebody sees something that you need to work on. Everybody's going to see what you need to work on. Just let them know you're right and I'm working on it. I can only work on so much at a time, though. You can't fix all of you overnight. No, step by step. That's what discourages most Christians. And I got this area, but what about this? Work on the area that God has pointed out uh, to you. It's just mutual. It's like a brother and sister. I grew up in a house with four, four brothers. You know, I'm the oldest of five. And we, no matter what, we're under the same parent. But I still told my brother what he needed to do. My brother told me what I needed. It's just normal. So that's why I don't take offense to it. Okay. I don't. You know, when you put your hands on me, now you're getting out of line. Y'all caught that, right? As a Christian, when you start getting bullied, you start bullying them. Now, to tell them something, we're going we gonna to do that as brother and sister. But when you start forcing me, you need to put your sock on. When you start trying to do it for me, you know, come into my, my private space now, now we got a problem. So I don't get a problem with it. I tell everybody, I don't care, facility or not the facility, if you see me doing something right, please point it out. Don't let me do nothing wrong. Say, Cliff, you know that wasn't right the way you said that, right? Yeah, you know what, man, let me go think about that. Let me go check that out. I don't say, who are you to judge me? No, I don't do that. Try that with, go to court and tell that to the judge. You can't judge me. See what he say. <laughs> Boom, contempt of court. <laughs> My brothers can help me. Y'all can help me. Please help me. If I don't manifest the right behaviors that you see in that Bible, please let me know something. Sometimes that's the way God communicate with you because sometimes you don't read too enough. So God send people to remind you what you ain't doing right. It's all making sense. So, if you do this, that's how God blesses you. He blesses you by acknowledging what needs work and then doing the work. That is it. That's how he bless. You find the word bless means to be happy. You find your life is happier when you find yourself doing. You know what? You get so busy working on your character and the way that God sees you that you don't have time for drugs and depression and anxiety and alcohol and all them things you're trying to douse it out with. Because that's what we do, right? We're just, trying to, we're just trying to get rid of all them thoughts, you know, and, and all that stuff I'm dealing with instead of working on it. 
That stuff make you feel good for a short period of time because the Bible tells you, it says the pleasure of sin mean that some of the sins we do feel good. But it says it's but for a season. It says it only, short, it only lasts so long. And then the problem is then you still got to deal with the, the issue at the end of the day. You still got to go deal with the issue. The brokenness you've been covering up, you still got to go deal with that. But the word of God promised you if you study and give into the word of God and learn it and work on it, man, you can start seeing progress. This is what I call spiritual momentum. Oh, man, I used to do this. I don't do this no more. I used to be like this. I ain't like that no more. Man, you get excited about self-development, uh, spiritual development. And you, go, you do what the Bible says. That's higher heights and deeper depths. You start digging in. Before you know it, man, you start walking in your ministry. You start walking in your calling and your passion. You start saying, man, you start helping other people. It becomes contagious and it becomes the spreading of the gospel. The good news is that you can do exactly what I'm doing. That's the good news at the end of the day. You can be encouraged. You can change. You can become better. You can be in a more peaceful mindset. That's the gospel. That's what we're supposed to be spreading. But if you ain't got peace within you and you don't feel like nothing is good about your life, you can't be a witness and you can't spread the good news. But how do I get that? Through the word of God. Just start doing a little bit. Every day. So in conclusion, if we want to follow through with our commitment to God, we must hear the word. So you got to hear it. Whether you're reading it, listen to uh, some preacher, whatever the case, you got to hear the word, guys. You got to hear it. You can't fix it if you don't know what's wrong. Then you got to receive it. You got to take it within and consider, yeah, that's me and I need to work on that. What can I start formulating a plan? How can I change? You know what? Y'all ever work in a place that got a shipping and receiving department? The, re the receiving department has to grab the contents, inventory it, and then stock it, right? They do something with it. And whenever you go, do y'all have this? They say, yep, I got it. We took it in yesterday. <laughs> Every time you hear the word of God, you better ask yourself, is your shipping and receiving department putting that stuff in inventory? That way, when you need it, you can find it. The Bible says to not be forgetful hearers. I know y'all heard that scripture before. Forgetful hearers mean that the receiving department didn't put it in inventory. They ain't scanned it. They heard it. They saw the truck, but they ain't stopped the way it needed to be. So when you need it the most, you can't find it. Say that again. Exactly. Can we log it in today? Can, can we log it in today? Just log it in. That way when I need it, hey, I know exactly where it's at. Pull it up in your little mental computer. Oh, yeah, that's what the, man, you know, God said to be slow to anger. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little angry, but let me slow this down. <laughs> you know what? You're saying something. I'm getting excited, but hold on, hold on. Let me listen all the way. Let me be swift. Let me be swift. Hold on. Let me let me let, go. I had to do that sometime. I'll be talking to people. i be wanting to jump. Whole, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead and finish. I have to back out of that thing. Go, go ahead and finish. That's because, that's because I start logging. I start looking in the log. Hold on. You got some swifter hearing you. Now do it. That makes sense to y'all? All right. So the last one is just to do the word. Do it. So the question to end with is, how is your commitment going? You say you're committed to God. Now I need you to be committed to him. Every day, not some days. When times are good, when times are bad, I need you to be committed to God. And if you feel like, look, I ain't been committed as I should, then guess what the beauty is? You recommit again. With understanding. Say, God, you know what? I've disappointed you. I failed you sometimes. I've let you down. But you know what? I understand commitment a little bit better. It's like a relationship. You and the wife committed. You and the husband committed. You ain't gonna working out like you're supposed to. You go to counseling. You get some clarity. You say, baby, let's try this again. Let's recommit. Let's renew our vows. You've got to do that sometime, man. Whether it's in the solitude of your private home, whether it's at a facility, whether it's at a church, just recommit. We don't understand. Okay, I see what it takes. And I'm going to commit. Every day I'm going to wake up. Focus on this. Rekindling and rebuilding this relationship. The question I'm going to end with is, are you still committed to God? And if not, do you want to get recommitted to God? All right. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to stand up and we're going to get our little circle on. And I'm going to close out in prayer. A recommitment prayer today. One that allows us to, to restart.
to reestablish what we may have lost or what we've never had today. Because God wants to be committed to us. He's committed enough, right? He gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. I think that's enough. He's got enough skin in the game already. So it's our turn. So let's go ahead and get our little circle right here. I really appreciate you guys. And my man, Caleb, is. Come on, Caleb. Caleb. All right, if you bow your heads with me. Father God, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we come to you today. Open and transparent. Willing to be recommitted to you today, Lord God. We know that taking a commitment to you is a big task. And we accept it. We know that every day won't be a good day, but we ask that you would deal with our hearts. Purify our minds, Lord God. Teach us your ways. Lord God, and our shortcomings to remind us of the standards that you set before us, Lord God. Lord God, in our brokenness, Lord God, teach us. Continue to reach for us, Lord God. Lord God, I ask that you would relieve the pressure from each and every person, Lord God. Calm the anxieties of their mind, Lord God. Cause them to set aside anger, Lord God. Lord God, rebuild relationships, Lord God. Give opportunities, Lord God. Lord God, we trust in your mercy and your grace upon us, Lord God, by your spirit that you would lead us and guide us into all truth, Lord God. Lord God, we surrender unto you today, Lord God. Today we recommit ourselves day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, Lord God. Let your spirit guide us and be with us as we walk through this day with a spirit of recommitment to you, Lord God. Lord God, we appreciate you and we thank you for this beautiful day, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of G G Jesus Christ, I, I I was mad and I was upset the way that that the nurse but handled me. But she was right because but I hadn't been taking my medicine and I, I was under the influence of drugs. But but my anger sent. Since since I let my anger mm -hmm. speak speak for, for for me, it lied. It 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 caused me to lie. So, but I but I lied to y'all. So I apologize. All right. We recommit it today, guys. You enjoy the rest of your day. Um, let the word resonate in your minds and your hearts. It's a lot to take in, but just play it back in your head. You got the papers to reference to. Yeah. You know. Um, I pray that you guys have a blessed day. I really appreciate the that time I've had good, with y'all this week. All right. Good, man. You, 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 you hardcore this summer. Amen. 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 All right, brother. All right. All right. All right, Mr. Caleb. All right, brother. All right, my man. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. All right, Mr. Noah. All right, Mr. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Got your copy, Miss Cynthia? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that, definitely.